Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So what buck players need a solid showing in the preseason to make the final 53-man roster? And are there any vets that might be on the bubble? And what would be the ramifications if Jameis Winston got hurt in the preseason? Also, you've seen Rays pitcher Tyler Glass now. What's his ceiling? It's time for the popular mailbag segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, I have to tell you about two incredible deals at Continental Wholesale Diamonds that's going to make a special occasion unforgettable in more ways than one. First of all, our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds is giving you this offer for a minimum purchase of $2,000 only for our listeners. You will receive a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. That's right. You get to pick the cruise line as well as the destination to the Caribbean. So pack once and enjoy romantic fine dining in Las Vegas-style entertainment every night and make sure to let our friend Annie know that you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And since Continental Wholesale Diamonds is moving to a larger location in mid-September, they're getting ready with a massive two-day moving sale. That's right. They're clearing out all the safes. These will be the lowest prices of the year. Everything must go. Special pricing and financing will be available during this unprecedented event, which is happening this Friday and Saturday, August 10th, and 11th. Do not miss this epic moving sale at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And do stay tuned for details about their new location in South Tampa. It will be double the size of their current location. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where I shop. Remember, ask for Andy. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, Steve. So we are just hours away from the Bucks playing in the first preseason game against the Miami Dolphins. I'm sure there's plenty of questions about the Bucks, the Rays, maybe even the Lightning. Who knows? But I'm ready to get started with the mailbag questions. Let's go. Well, first, I want to uh, a caveat. We missed something on yesterday's podcast. Really? Yeah. So we're recording this on Wednesday the eighth, but you'll be listening to it on Thursday the ninth. But it's Jeff Fisher Day. It's That's 8-8. right. It's eight eight. And I looked it up because I always thought July 9th was Jeff Fisher Day. It also is honored. I mean, there are two days. It's, yeah. um, it's well, Jeff, sort of like Jeff Fisher's you know, career has twenty season, full seasons that he was a coach. He also had yes. he was interim coach for one, and he coached thirteen games his last season was fired. He had five, eight, and eight seasons, four, seven, and nine seasons, and he also had a seven, eight, and one season. So really, half his seasons were essentially seven and nine or eight and eight. Mm-hmm. That's why you can celebrate it on either holiday. It's kind of like, uh, do you believe in Christmas, opening presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? There's really no great, there's no no wrong answer. I prefer so the 12 are, days of Christmas. I want 12 days worth. <laughs> well, or, yeah, you could do that, or, you know, the eight days of Hanukkah or whatever, I guess, for, for those that are Jewish. But the thing about Jeff Fisher is they both apply because he was equally crappy, um, both, you know, going 7 and 9, which, was, of course, would be uh, celebrated on, on July 9th, and then also on August 8th. So I I, I tend to celebrate it personally. Just because I'm fond of the the seven and nine records, so I tend to celebrate it early, a month or maybe some on on July 9th. But I can see where 
there people will be uh, blowing out candles, cutting cakes, or whatever they do to Jeff Fisher or pinatas or whatever on days like this. Excellent. By the way, how how bad did he look as a head coach? Not to get too off the topic here, but what was his final year before they they? Um, he went four nine with the Los Angeles Rams. So it, it, it was Jeff Goff's first year. Yeah, Jared right? Goff. Jared I believe. Goff. Yep. Jared Goff. Jeff Goff. Jeez, I know a guy named Jeff. <laughs> Jared Goff's first year. He didn't do well with him either. Jared Goff's first year. Um, and so they, you know, they they fire they fire Fisher. Um, and essentially, I mean, they had a lot of the almost exclusively almost the same team. I know they brought in some free agents, um, you know, and whatnot. But Sean McVay comes in, protege of John Gruden. Even sounds like John Gruden has a lot of his same statements, you know. Um, and they go thirteen and three. Am I right about that? Is that what they were last yeah, year? Yeah, well, not only that, but the headlines after Fisher was fired was you know the Rams need to find another franchise quarterback. Golf's a bust, right? Golf is a bust, right? And and they um, Todd Gurley was also a bust. He wasn't doing what he should have been doing, and all of a sudden, you know, Gurley is like you know <laughs> offensive player of the year or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. They had Aaron Donald is is the, one of the best defensive linemen in football. They had all this talent. He couldn't he couldn't win six seven games with those guys. It's unbelievable how bad and for for I mean, explain to me how Jeff Fisher coached for twenty seasons, twenty. Well, here it's was his last. Here was his last seven full seasons: okay. eight and eight, six and ten, seven eight and one, seven nine, six and ten, seven nine. Wow! And then four and nine, and he was fired. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, seriously. If I mean, the old, this the old cliche. Most of the pictures are. I mean, really. I he's he's an. And the thing is, it's not like I like Jeff Fisher. I've talked to him. He's an okay guy. I know people that knew him when he was at USC and all this stuff. Um, but. It's not like he's so glib and so lovable and so cuddly that you would keep him around for his, you know, his charming personality. It's just weird to me that that guy got and I mean they and bid for him like the Rams and Miami were in a dogfight over that guy. In fact, um, a little how do we get on Jeff Fisher? Because you told me it was Jeff Fisher Day. Yeah. Here's a little story for you. So you remember when the Bucks ended up with Graciano? Who can forget that? Right? Toes on the line, blowing the whistle. Well, the way that came about. What had happened was the Rams were steering that ship. I mean, you know, the Bucks got turned down by Chip Kelly, as we all know, in the 11th hour, or actually it was about 5 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and so at that time, Jeff Fisher was talking to both the Dolphins and the Rams. And there came that weekend where, unbeknownst to everybody, um, Demoff, Kevin Demoff had snuck in this Rutgers coach, Graciano, to talk to their ownership about coaching the Rams. And while he was in the house of the owner, the owner had to excuse himself to take a call. And Shano knew instantly that it was Fisher and that he wasn't getting the job. Um, so that's how that went down. And because he didn't get the job with the Rams and the Bucks then were in scramble mode because, you know, they got, they got left at the altar, as they frequently are this time by Chip Kelly, good friends Kevin – Demoff and Mark Dominic got to talk and said, you need to talk to this guy. He's impressive. He'd be perfect for you. And, of course, we know he was. Um, so the Bucks ended up hiring Greg Schiano. So that's how Jeff Fisher, Jeff, the greatness of Jeff Fisher, coveted by many, um, ended up putting Greg Schiano in Tampa Bay. So what you're saying is he's ruined two franchises. In a sense, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, he destroyed them both. I mean, you know, the job he got and the one that he, that he didn't take, yeah. or the one the one that he didn't take, which then forced oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. All right, let's get started let's... with the real questions now. We know the Bucks mm. have their first preseason game tonight in Miami. So Ellis is asking which Bucks players need a solid showing in preseason games and the rest of camp to have a shot at making the final fifty-three. A shot. Um, that's interesting. Of course, you, you, you really don't know because there's going to be injuries and everything else. I would say this. I think they're fairly committed to this guy, but I think Will Golston needs to do some stuff. You know? Um, he lost 15 pounds uh, on purpose because last year he thought he was too slow. I mean, he had, you know, zero sacks. And when you look at what they've added – uh, in terms of you know the defensive linemen they brought in here now now most of those guys or, or a lot of those guys are interior players but I mean you still have um, you know guys like Vinnie Curry and obviously Jason Pierre-Paul and um, you know they brought in some tackles in Mitch Unrein and Bo Allen and Vita Vea they draft in the first round um, so from a defensive end standpoint I guess they don't have a surplus of ends but Golston is also one of those guys that used to be sort of a nickel rusher from inside, and what they've been doing is moving Pierre Paul inside next to McCoy, bringing in Noah Spence, um, you know, uh, and then you know Russian Vinny Curry on the outside. So you have your your four best or five best rush guys. So I think that I think that Golston needs to play really big, you know. And I don't know what the, I'd have to look at his salary to see if there's any guarantees this year, um, but. I I think he needs a a good bounce back preseason. He would be he would be one of the guys. Um, let me think off the top of my head. Charles Sims is in a battle, you know, with Sean Wilson um, for a, as a third down back. Him and Jacquez Rogers. I, I think that there's a, a a bigger comfort level with Dirk Cutter and Rogers because he's played with him everywhere he's been, and um, he's sort of that that veteran presence in the, in the locker room uh, or in that in that meeting room with running backs. So. They love Sean Wilson, who who seems to be a better return guy. They're going to use him in kickoff returns. Uh, Charles Sims was like one of the last guys they signed in the offseason, one of their own free agents, didn't give him any money. So I would think that uh, that Sims might be in trouble too. Well, that leads us to kind of – this guy, Bucks, asked a similar question. You got a couple of these, but we'll throw out a few more names. He says, are there mm-hmm. any vets you see as being on the bubble that may surprise fans? He mentioned Goldston. He said Tandy. And then conversely, young guys that may make the final three, that'd be a surprise. He said Sean Wilson, maybe Igwin mm-hmm. Mike, uh, or others. Yeah. Um, so vets on the bubble besides Golson. I know he hasn't uh, played a whole lot, but Stevie Tui Kolavatu is, is another guy that's looked really good, um, you know, in this part of training camp. But again, there's such a surplus of defensive tackles um, that, you know, it wasn't a high round pick, obviously a six round pick. Uh, that's somebody that uh, they got got to look at as well safety I don't know man I mean Tandy is such a reliable guy and we know that Conte is going to start we know that Justin Evans is going to be another starter um you know you definitely would think that oh that they would like uh, Jordan Whitehead their rookie to make the team um so I guess it just depends on how many safeties they keep but um it would it would I don't I don't see Tandy getting cut necessarily Josh Robinson, you know, is a cover guy. And Josh Robinson, you know, has one job, and that's to go down and cover kicks. I think he's really, really good at it. But he's also listed as a safety, you know. So presumably, you know, if one of those young guys stepped up, Igwebuike or somebody like that, um, that they liked, um, you know, Robinson is a little more expensive. Uh, I, I think they really like Josh. I think that's why he's still here. 
But uh, you know, those when you're battling for those fifty two, fifty three, you know, fifty through fifty three man roster spots, it comes down to special teams and just how much guys are going to play and how many teams are going to play on. Um, so you know, that's, what about someone like uh, Cici? Um, yeah, Cici. I I don't know if if uh, Cici's well. I mean, it comes down to, to me. It's between him and Riley Bulla, maybe. Um, Bulla could be a guy that they that they say has made huge improvement. By the way, from year one to year two, he's pretty versatile. I think he's lining up as a second team Mike linebacker behind Quan. Um, but they see she's really smart, and and if that that knee seems to be healthy now, you know he got a really bad um, break when when he blew out his ACL before the start of the season last year. He was going to be have a really great year at Wisconsin. So they they they're liking what they're seeing of the guy. He just hasn't played a lot of football in a year. Um, so yeah, I could see I could see see she's sneaking his way in there. Although I think because he's a seventh round pick, that he might be a guy that you know you could uh, sneak through waivers and get back on a practice squad. The guys are in trouble are you know receivers. I mean Freddie Martino, who's only played for Dirk Cutter wherever he's been, um, is like that seventh receiver right about now. You know, so certainly he would be in trouble. Bobo Wilson, who would will probably get picked up and make somebody's roster if they put him on waivers, um, depending on how he plays in the preseason. He's in trouble, um, you know, because, you know, he's a guy that uh, just the numbers don't work. You know, some people have suggested that Adam Humphreys might be a trade candidate. I don't see that. They've said the same thing about Jackson. Look, I think that Dirk Cutter loves his four top receivers. And then, you know, whoever becomes the fifth or sixth guy, if they carry that many, um, is going to have a battle on their hands. But uh, I don't, you know, I don't see them messing with Mike Evans or, you know, Chris Godwin or Adam Humphreys um, or Deshaun Jackson. I think all those guys will be their, will be their top four guys, and I think they'll all dress on Sunday. All right. Well, Ken has asked, have seen a predominance of press man coverage in the Bucks camp highlights. Misleading sample, or has that been the primary coverage deployed in camp thus far? Well, I don't know what practices they went to, but they do, uh, you know, a fair amount of press coverage, and in, in, um, you know, they have a lot of coverages. I mean, we remember Mike Smith saying he used fourteen of them when, you know, Julio Jones went off for two hundred fifty something yards against them in Atlanta. But I think it depends on you know what the install is that day. Now, I I've always said this that, you know, they prefer the Bucks seem to be more of a zone team, but in the in, in actuality, when you, you know, when you watch them play, I think they're many times, you know, in man coverage, um, more than, more than to get credit for. So I think that the thing with young guys like Carlton Davis and them who have played in both schemes, it's an adjustment. You have to find out who can play zone, but if you, but if you've got a guy that can play press, uh, like Davis, who's long and can get his hands on you, why would you ask him to do something different? You know what I'm saying? So I, I think this time of year is when you when you try things. This is the time of year when you experiment and you put guys in situations and see, okay, um, you know, you want to find out their strengths and their weaknesses. So I wouldn't take too much from any part of one practice. But really, no one can just sit in the same coverage all day, even though I know that, you know, Mike Smith was accused of that by Robert Ayers on Twitter of only running two coverages. Um, you know, he's a big cover two quarter and then a quarters coverage guy. But I, I don't think that anybody can survive in the league unless you mix it up and play up at times and get in guys' faces. All right. Well, this is our fourth Bucks question, and we're finally getting to a Jameis Winston question. Yay. So, but it's actually a good one because I don't know the answer to this. If Jameis Winston were to get hurt in the preseason, 
and then had to go on the physically unable to perform list, the PUP list. Would his suspension run concurrently, or would the suspension start when he gets off the PUP list? That is an outstanding question. And because of that, I uh, posed it to somebody with the Bucks that will remain nameless, but they gave me the answer because uh, I wasn't really sure. Although I, I would have leaned this way, but I didn't want to say it without getting confirmation. So, okay, he's not hurt now, so obviously you can't put him on any pup list now. But if he did get hurt in the preseason based on this hypothetical, then he would uh, – and, and, and let's, let's assume that um, he did go on you know, an IR, like a, a PUP physically underperform a reserved physically underperformed list, which means he's out at least six weeks, uh, and then you can recall one guy, as we know, um, then in that instance, yes, the suspension would be run concurrently uh, if he's on IR. So uh, he wouldn't count against your 53-man, uh, and yet uh, it's not like after six weeks when he, if he comes back that he then has to spend three weeks on suspension. It, that suspension will have been run concurrently while he was on the PUP list. Um, so if he gets – if Jamis gets hurt in the preseason – um, you're not going to miss them, you know, for any more than six games if they go that route. If he can't come back and 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 play before that, and they don't keep him on the active 53, that's good because that would be really bad if you then had to suck. S- you know, then you're able to come back, and then you got to serve a suspension. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like I'm all, I'm out nine weeks. What's the point? Because yeah, that, you know? that, that that would alter your strategy in the preseason of how yeah, much would. he would play and things like that. Because if if he did get hurt and it affected that, that could really screw up your season even more. Absolutely. It's a great question, though. It was. Whose so. question was that? That was, was from that? Les. Les. He's a frequent uh, tweeter at us. So he's, nice job, Les. That was a really good question. Shout out to Les. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're going to switch to the Rays now. And Sam had asked, not trying to overreact, but with this type of stuff, Tyler Glass now is looking like a potential two in a pitching rotation with a bright future and a high ceiling. Agree or disagree? He only looks like a potential number two because Blake Snell is the number one. I think he looks like a potential number one, to be honest with you. Have you seen this guy's stuff? I mean, he was throwing consistently uh, the, this last outing around 97, 98 miles an hour with a 12 to 6 curveball, throwing a ton of strikes, and, uh, you know, really only got one that was racked, of course, for a home run. Um, but this guy, this guy has a live, live fastball. I mean, he. He throws smoke and can 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 maintain that. Now they got him up to about four innings. Boy, he struck out nine guys in four innings. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he looks phenomenal. I mean, you, you hesitate to say how did they pull this off for Chris Archer because he looks like a better pitcher than Chris Archer right now. Um, but you know that's what the game has become. I've talk, we talked about this on this podcast. The two one of the biggest changes in the game is is velocity, you know, the the number of power arms and this is a big guy, what is he Steve? 66868. 68, yep. Something like that and and that have been very dominant. Um but I was listening to him talk to I don't know, it was talking to Neil or talk to somebody about how, you know, um he's gotten I guess back to a to a comfortable delivery. Um you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, Kyle Snyder is known, you know, having been a tall pitcher himself for uh, being able to help some of these guys. And sometimes these guys come to the Rays and, you know, another team has tried to change them and the Rays take them back to where their comfort level is and, and uh, it just kind of clicks. So, yeah, man, I mean, so far so good. But, but Glasnow, dude, he looks, he, he looks like a dominant pitcher. You number two starter, sure. That's not a stretch. I would say he definitely has the stuff to be considered that. Now, the the question with him, and as with any pitcher, is one – you know, once they get him stretched out and he's actually going 90 to 100 pitches a game, 
Can right. he do this every five days? That's Can he true. consistently locate his fastball? Which That's then true. sets up his curveball and slider. I mean, we all agree Chris Archer has stuff to be a number one or a number two. Mm-hmm. But he was never able to, outside of a, of a stretch back in 20, I think it was 15, for about two months where he was phenomenal lights out. He was never able to replicate it enough times over and over and over again. Right. To, to really be an ace. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a very good pitcher, but he's, mm-hmm. not, he's not what you would consider an ace in today's baseball. He's got the stuff maybe to be there. But the consistency and the mental part of the game that comes with it, we'll see if Glasnow can get there. Does he have stuff to get? Does he have potential stuff to be there with his arm? Yes, absolutely he does. And, and we'll see. And that's, you know, look, he was a high-priced prospect in the Pirates. And, you yeah. know, they got a really good pitcher back for him. Mm-hmm. And Chris Archer. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Who's got experience and you know what you're going to get out of him. Now, Glassman also has to figure out how he's going to hold runners on because his delivery is extremely slow to the plate. Right, and and guys that big, I mean, it's hard to read from what I understand. I, I Obviously, it was never 6'7", but from what I understand, it's hard to repeat, um, you know, your delivery point. It's hard to repeat mm-hmm. your, your arm arm angle and repeat your, your throwing motion when you're that tall. Um, well, so, he pitches from the stretch at all times now, but he's still right. – He's still the, the the whole motion and wind. He's you know he's sitting there slow to balance the himself yes. too, too too much. He needs to speed that up. It's a lot of I mean it's a lot of elbows and you know uh, and and I just maybe it's because guys that are over six six generally by the time you know they get to be a certain age decide to play another sport basketball or football. But there really isn't a great history of of really really tall pitchers. You know, I mean, the, the I best know. one I could think is Randy Johnson, Randy Johnson, the big unit. But yeah, but I mean, you know, guys over that that size. And again, maybe it's just because relative to everyone else, there's not many pitchers mm-hmm. that are that size. But, you know, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a batter who's six, six. I mean, look how much strike zone, look how much uh, area you mm-hmm. have to cover with that bat. Um, you know, when you have the strike zone as wide and as tall as that. So yeah, which makes what like what Aaron Judge does. Even you know more impressive because you know yeah, yeah. the strike zone's a lot bigger than anybody else's. Absolutely. So, but I I like I mean Glasnow man I mean again what a small sample size right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's boy, two it's had... two games to this far. But does he have the stuff for it? Yes. Now oh, can stuff he is great. do it consistently and in the mental part of the game and pitching? Mm-hmm. Can he do that repeatedly for years to come? That'll determine whether he can be an ace or number two or if he's going to sure. be a middle rotation or even in the back in the bullpen at some point. Good question. We got another question that says, forget 300 wins. That will never happen again. But are teams like the Rays and the way they handle their pitchers going to prevent us from seeing anyone under 30 get to 200 wins in their major league career? Currently, only a few over 30 even have a chance at 200 wins. I, I, think, I think it's a great point and a great question, and, and I do think that no one will win 300 again. And as you look at it, as far as like the age of these guys go, most of the guys that are you know pushing over 200 are damn near 40 years old. Well, actively, uh, there's only two players over 200. That's Bartolo right. Colon, who's 45 years old, 
He's got 246 mm-hmm. wins. And CC Sabathia is 37. He's got 243 wins. Yeah. Verla- and, and Verlander's really- next. He's got 199 wins, and he's 35. And Zach Granke's got 30. He's 34 years old. He's at 184. But, yeah, you look down this list, and there's no, uh, there's no one that's going to come close to 200 wins before age 30. Yeah, and I and I think the trend is going to be just you know downward further because, you know, I mean there's so much emphasis on these bullpens. You're shortening these games to five inning games. We know what the Rays are doing with these opening pitchers, and well, and the opener doesn't even have a shot at getting the win. None. Yeah, zero. Because so, you have to go five innings to get the win if you start. So and as, as teams right. go to bullpens even quicker, some of the starters don't make it to the fifth, even if they're That's starters. Correct. They're not letting these guys go through the lineup three times anymore. I mean, that seems to be the the demarcation line, right, when you see the batting averages go up mm-hmm. and the bullpens are deeper. And, and even if you're not starting with the opener, so to speak, they're bringing you know, guys to pitch the sixth inning, the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and the ninth inning. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think the questioner is right. I, I don't think you will see it. I think 200 wins will be what 300 wins used to be. I mean, that's one, you wonder if guys will go to the Hall of Fame now. Uh, if they get to 200 wins, but um, that seems to be the way we're headed, right? Yeah, but even getting to 200 wins, I mean, Verlander will get there. He needs one more. Zach Greinke needs 16 more. He'll get there. Mm-hmm. John Lester needs 29 more, and he's 34. Maybe not. He, he, pr- he could get there. He could. He could. Felix Hernandez is only 32. He needs uh, 32 more wins, but he may not even start by the end of the season anymore. They may move him to the bullpen in Seattle. Max Serger is 33. He needs 44 more. He'll get there. Cole Hamels needs 46 more. He's 34. Clayton Kershaw's at 149. He's only 30 years old. He should get to 200. He'll probably get there, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's not going to be a ton that get to 200. Rick Porcello's 29. He's at 132 wins. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... it's uh, the win, I mean, you know, the sabermetrics guys and the, you know, the, the stat guys in baseball have all, for a long time, thought the win was an awful stat anyway. Um, and have long been trying to get rid of the win. And the way the age of, the way the game's played today and pitched today, it, maybe it's time to get rid of that as a stat or at least adjust what a win is. I got a question with respect to wins. We talk about pitching and, and you know, wins is, used to be the thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, but what about quarterbacks? Do wins matter for quarterbacks? I think playoffs I, do. But, well, but I mean, you got to win to get the playoffs. Don't no, you? yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it matters in regards of getting your team to the postseason, and then I think playoff wins matter. So playoff wins matter, but you can't get there unless you you mm-hmm. win games during the regular season. So I guess it comes back because I've had a lot of people have said, well, you know, like with with respect to Jameis in particular, that. Well, look at his numbers. I mean, he his numbers are crazy after 45 games when you compare him to some of the icons of the game mm-hmm. in terms of yards, uh, touchdowns to interceptions, all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And we know James has had some interceptions, but really um, the ratio is better than, than damn near everyone. Uh, and many of those guys are going in the Hall of Fame. But, okay, his team, he's won 18 games. You know, well, But, for uh, instance, last year he had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a team game. I get it. it. Abso- it's, it's totally as much a team as the game. quarterback is the most valuable player on the team and the most mm-hmm. important piece on your team, mm-hmm. and you can't win, you can't win Super Bowls. One. You can't win Super Bowls without a, a very good quarterback. 
Well, very very rare exception to that. Your defense, unless your defense is iconic, like the Baltimore Ravens or even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, perhaps. Very rare to do that. And and, absolutely. And as you know, look, you know the Ravens and and the Bucks. Those were you know what fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. With salary cap the way it is now, it's almost hard to get an iconic defense like that for any length of time, because rosters change so quickly anymore, more than they did back then. So, I mean, you had it was the same free agency. you know, rules. It's I mean, four years you're a free agent. That hadn't changed. Okay. It, but if you paid a quarterback, you can't have that defense. I mean, usually yes. you got it's a it's a switch. Like you you would lose too many pieces today. You know, one of the reasons the Bucks could keep Sap and Lynch and Brooks, and then eventually they had mm-hmm. to make a decision on Sap, and he moved on, is that they never paid a quarterback. Yeah. They didn't have that franchise guy. So if they had had a uh, you know a Jameis Winston or somebody that made it to a second, I mean think about this, they've never had a, a quarterback make it to a second contract in mm-hmm. Tampa, never. So they've never, it's never been an, even a concern. But you're right um, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, and it's uh, Seattle benefited from that from years because Russell Wilson was in his entry level contract. That's right. And performed so well at such a young age that allowed them to stack that defense. Mm-hmm. Which you know now now they're as they're going to get ready to pay Russell Wilson that becomes a tougher fit for them. That's right. Uh, Same things happen I think to some degree in uh, in Atlanta. Um, it happened for a while in New Orleans with Drew Brees. You know Tom Brady. I mean the, Belichick manages to get guys that aren't paid very high on defense anyway. But Brady has you know taken below market value for what he's accomplished to uh, to help out. So I just wonder, like wins, wins and losses are interesting to me because I, I'll say this: like no matter who you are, if you're a quarterback, and no matter what team, go to the Browns or you go to the Patriots. If you don't win, they will get rid of you. I mean, the numbers are great, but you know, I mean, Matt Castle won ten games one year for New England, but he wasn't a starting quarterback there for long. You know, they came back to Brady, and then he went to, I think Kansas City, and mm-hmm. didn't win enough games. He was done. You know, I, I think at some point. You know, the, the only ones that I've ever seen records attached to are head coaches and quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So I I can understand why people say they, it counts less, but I still think you have to be that guy who wins enough games to get his team to the postseason. And then the big judge of quarterbacks, if you want to be first level, is how do you how many games do you win in the playoffs? What's your record in the postseason? Mm-hmm. And how many Super Bowls? That's that's the ultimate judge of of uh, whether you're elite or not yeah you brought up you brought up uh, the bucks have never gotten to a second contract with a quarterback i saw greg allman tweet this morning uh an interesting stat about the bucks on mike evans where this year he could set the bucks career records for receiving yards and td catches which as a franchise are extremely low only 5,018 yards is the record for for receptions or in for the bucks in 34 TDs. Mm-hmm. they're not even close to the next nfl team as far as all-time stats. Is the next one the Cardinals, I believe? I believe it's the Ravens. The Ravens. I, I did see where, like, that, what Evans, or how did I put that? Like, yeah. Evans would rank 11th on the Arizona Cardinals all-time list right now, something like okay. that. Okay. He'd be way down there. In yeah. other words, you're right. This team doesn't have, even though he'll be the all-time leading receiver, the way it's constituted, nobody really had more, what more than five thousand yards. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, five thousand fourteen for the Bucks. The next lowest for a team is Derek Mason at fifty-seven seventy-seven. Wow! And then for touchdown catches, it's Baltimore with Todd Heap at forty-one, compared to thirty-four for the Bucks. Just kind of, you know, they haven't had a quarterback get to a second second contract, which means you don't have gaudy quarterback stats as a franchise. 
Right. But they don't have gaudy receiving stats either for their career leaders. Right now, who is the career? Is it Vinny Testaverde, the career uh, passing leader for the Bucks? Yeah, Vinny Testaverde is the all-time leader for the Bucks in passing yards. He's got 14,820 yards. Jameis Winston, meanwhile, is fifth. He's about 3,200 yards back. And he'll have hopefully 13 games this year to go try to catch those 3,200 yards. Yeah, he'll make it. Um, and then I think uh, – so, t- I mean, Testaverde spent – five years I want to say in Tampa Bay I believe that's correct ended up going to Cleveland when his contract was up um and then of course Josh Freeman is the touchdown leader by the way at 80 and then and and then Jameis is only 11 back of him and he'll get that so you look at so you look at Freeman and you go well what did Freeman and Testaverde have in common they both played here five seasons Mm -hmm. you know Freeman got to that you know that year uh where you know it was make or break and had he been great they would have franchised him he ended up Getting bounced, you know, ended up getting traded. The whole the whole flap that he had with uh, Greg Schiano after an zero and three start. So, um, so yeah, both those guys ran it out. But Jameis is going to he he'll he will easily finish as the Bucks, you know, all time passing there. But what happens next year? You know, is, is he going to is he just going to eke above them and go somewhere else, or are the Bucks going to uh, you know go ahead and let him play under the fifth year option? Or are they going to tear up that contract and sign him to a multi year deal? I mean, these are all things. This is why it's such a big year. Uh, for somebody like jo- or for someone like uh, Jameis Winston, that's right. All right, we got one final question here, and it comes from Jim. He says, "Now that Tom W. Jones or at Tom W. Jones, Tom Jones Twitter handle seems to be flying under the radar, how does it feel to be the new whipping boy of the Tampa Bay social media? I don't understand why you're getting put on blast so much lately." <laughs> Am I really that guy? I didn't want to be that guy. I never wanted to be that guy. Um, you're the new Tom Jones, apparently. First of all, how did Tom suddenly go under the radar? I mean, when did this happen? I'm uh, not sure. Know, he's been beating up Urban Meyer and beating up Jameis Winston pretty good, and he had beating an Urban and Jameis. Beating up baseball. It, 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 baseball's bad. Everything's bad. It's bad. Um, yeah, Debbie Downer, they call him. I, I Look, it's very simple to me uh, as far as social media goes, uh, you know, it's a little like politics in a sense, I guess, but basically – there's them and us, right? And if you're a fan, uh, you're us. You know, you're either with us or you're Guinness, as my dad would say. He was very southern. Um, and you know, journalism, at least mainstream journalism. Again, I try to point out the fact that you know a lot of people confuse other outlets that cover the Bucks with being media. And I guess it's a form of media, but it's new media. But it's you know, you're talking about bloggers you're talking but you're talking about people that you know are a fan site they're a fan website they get behind the team you know they're they're actively pulling uh in their writing and in in uh, a lot of their um stances and and just just you know trying to serve like fans you know fans like them uh, many of them were fans and, and started a website so um i think you have to draw that distinction and people have trouble doing it and they'll see you know somebody writes something that uh to them seems like you know you're not well you're not supporting the team but never very few people understand the traditional you know role of media and and the objectivity part of it and it's they will sit here and scream at you and say there's no way you don't care you know of course you want them to win or of course you and and the reality is is that when you're trained it's sort of like i don't like the sight of blood at all i really don't especially mine but somehow there's people that do this job for a living that are paramedics and doctors and nurses and god love them they 
they get over it. You know what I mean? Like their squeamishness goes away. Well, when you do what we do, it's a terrible analogy, but when you do what we do, it's like Apparently you're saving now, lives now. I'm saving lives. When you, but, when you, but no, let's go back to the, the feeling, you know, the, the blood thing, right? <laughs> like, ah, blood. Well, it's kind of like when you're a journalist, like you don't, you, you put away your fan hat. You're not like, well, go Bucks. You know, it, it, it just, it kind of is beaten out of you and you accept it as part of your job and you just don't look at things in, the, in those lenses anymore. Um, you know, and, and I mean, to be honest, if you want to know what I root for or what I pull for, and that that's usually that I make deadline and that my story is really good. So, you know, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's about, you know, Hey, how can I, you know, is this going to turn out to where it would be a really good story? You know, something that you show up to a game and you never expected and you're like, wow, that's going to be really fun to write about. Now, people would say, well, isn't it more fun to write about a winning team than a losing team? I don't know that fun is the adjective you would you know you would use, but I will say that um, I, I will say that there has been as many newsy or newsworthy years that would have been absolute train wrecks. You know what I'm saying? Like interesting stories and. Uh, drama and, you know, MRSA and, um, you know, just carnage, uh, firings of coaches and, you know, uh, waving a franchise quarterback. I mean, I'm talking about one year there with Shiano, but there's been others. And I think that those years are, as, from a journalism standpoint, are as, you know, interesting to cover as when they won the Super Bowl. Now, you know, it's a unique experience to see a team, to cover a team that goes and wins the Super Bowl. And, of course, it's only happened one time here in team history in 40-something years. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you go to a game on Sunday and say, man, I hope you win. The, the short answer is Jameis Winston uh, is suspended. Uh, I didn't suspend him. I wasn't with him, didn't prompt him to drink alcohol or go out with certain people or, you know, do something in an Uber. I mean, it, there really is no causal relationship between what I write and what I, you know, my contribution to Jameis's actions. He's a franchise quarterback and whatever he does is news and people don't like uh, bad news, especially if it's about their guy. And so since I'm the one writing it um, and, you know, writing about the ramifications, which again, this story has a lot of tentacles, right? We're in the preseason now. Well, you know, talk to Dirk Cutter. He said it the other day. He goes, I'm very concerned about this situation at quarterback. I'm very concerned about how we're going to operate this in the preseason. And why wouldn't he be? You want to protect both guys. It's not like, you know, as long as we protect Jameis and we get to the starting line with him the first week, eh, if we lose Fitzpatrick, that would suck. But we got Ryan Griffin. You know, I mean, very few teams are like, you know, sleep, stay up at nights worrying that their backup quarterback may get hurt unless their starting quarterback is suspended or hurt. So – that's kind of where we're at. And I just think that, you know, I don't know, Tom, Tom still wears the, I guess, the badge proudly. But, um, you know, the, the, the pushback I've gotten has really been uh, heightened since Jameis was suspended for three games. And that's really the only difference. Let's bring this full circle. The stories are better when they're either really good or really bad. Don't be Jeff Fisher and go eight and eight. <laughs> that's beautiful you went right to the top man see how i see what you did there yeah we started with eight and eight and on august eh, yeah august 8th you got eight and eight yeah i'll tell you what man that's a hell of a thing you just did right there 
So it's Bucks miami We'll have a full recap of that game on Sports Day Tampa Bay on Friday and also the Rays wrap up a series with the Baltimore Orioles. We love your interaction. Those are great questions, of course, as always. And we, even though it's not, if it's not a mailbag day, you can always ask us questions and interact with us on Twitter at Sports Day TV, at Sports Day TV, or you can, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or email me at rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com And as always, we love to get your feedback and have you rate and review this podcast. And you can do that anywhere you get your podcast, whether you listen on the podcast app on your phone, maybe you use Stitcher or TuneIn, iHeartRadio or SoundCloud. Just hit the subscribe button. It'll download to your phone every day so you can listen anytime you want. You can hit like there or you can leave a comment. That always helps us. Or better yet, share it with a friend. Tell them this podcast exists, uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay. And then if you'd like to advertise on the show, We'd love to have you as a partner, just like Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You can contact uh, sales manager Monica Boyer. Her number is 813-957-0836, 813-957-0836. And if you don't remember that number, just reach out to Rick or I, and we'll get you in touch. And make sure you go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where if you spend $2,000 only for our listeners, you get a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two. You pick the cruise line. You pick the destination, and this Friday and Saturday, August 10th and 11th, they're having a special pricing and financing available at Continental Wholesale Diamonds because of their massive two-day moving sale. That's right. They're going to move to a bigger location in South Tampa. We'll have more details on that. So we'll see my friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So uh, looking forward to the Bucks Miami. We'll be back here to talk about that tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Burstink, have a great day, everybody. 